Good morning, Oikos Church. I hope that you were encouraged with that great time of praise and worship. Were you encouraged? Awesome. As we get into Hebrews, we're going to be walking through this for the next five weeks. So we will be kind of moving along. It's got a few chapters more than Philemon. So we've got a few things to go through. But as we go through Hebrews, I want you to be encouraged that we're going to look at that Jesus is greater. And some of these things that I'll talk about today are going to be hard. So I'm giving you a little context that you may feel cut to the heart. You may even have a little sense of rebellion that comes up and goes, "Ah, there he goes again, talking directly to me, and that isn't fair. But I hope that the Word of God, as it enters your heart this morning, that you'll welcome the transformation that he wants for you. It won't be what I want necessarily. It won't be what you want. But may it be what he wants because he is greater. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, we really don't know who wrote it. Many would say Paul. In fact, for many centuries, they'd say Paul was probably the writer. But the problem with the book of Hebrews is that no one actually pins at the bottom of the letter, I, whoever, wrote this book or wrote this letter. So as we look at who wrote it, we can't get into the actual author, but we do know who it was written to. Primarily, it was written to those who were Jewish. They were, their heritage was Jewish. They followed Judaism. They believed in Jesus, and now they were under severe persecution. And some of them were saying, I just want to go back to the old way. Let's just believe that Judaism and following the God of Abraham is better than Jesus. Because this life is hard. The letter is probably written around 60 AD, but we know it was written before 70 That's because it seems to reference the temple, and we know the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans by 70. So as they reference kind of life in the temple, it would be odd for them to reference that life as it was going on in such a way if the temple no longer existed. We know it was written to those who were being persecuted, and we know that throughout the letter he encourages them, don't leave Jesus Stay with him, for Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than anything else you can find or you have experienced before. So chapter 1, Hebrews. If you want to find the book of Hebrews, you look in the New Testament. You go through the first four Gospels. You go through many of the letters to the churches. You go to the pastoral letters, First and Second Timothy and Titus. And then there's a short little book, Philemon, that's one chapter. And then you find Hebrews. If you want to open up to chapter 1, you can read along with me this morning. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son he created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor 
at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name of God gave him is greater than their names. So as I said before, the letter's written to Jewish converts, and they knew a lot about the Old Testament. The problem for us in the modern-day church is not many of us are well-versed in the Old Testament. Would you say that's kind of true? I mean, if someone said, I'm going to give you an Old Testament test today, would you be like, oh, I'm going to ace that? Right? No. You would go, uh, I would say, oh, I hope I remember that because those names and all this stuff, and I'd probably mess it up, right? We are not as well-versed. Throughout the book of Hebrews, he's going to be quoting Old Testament. So I'd encourage you, as you read through Hebrews, everybody going to read through Hebrews next five weeks? Thank you, five people. (laughs) We're all going to be on the same page, five of us. All right? So as you read through Hebrews and you see a quotation that he's referencing something, look at that little quotation and go, oh, it's from Isaiah. And then go back to Isaiah and just read the context. Because it's going to give you even fuller. It's going to give you kind of a step into the people that received this letter for the first time. Because they already knew the Old Testament inside and out. So when he starts quoting this stuff, they're like, oh, yeah. That's Isaiah. Oh, that's Psalm. That was that Psalm. We may go, uh, I have no idea. So just take that time. Look back and see what the Lord is saying within the context. As we go through Hebrews, we will see that he presses in that Jesus is greater than any heritage we can claim. Jesus is greater than anything else we can say we are attached to. That Jesus is greater than any preconceived notion we may have in our head. That Jesus is greater than any lie we have been living. The first section of Hebrews, as we read, it talks about Jesus being greater than the angels. And this may seem a little strange because you don't hear a lot about Jesus being compared to angels. But in the Jewish culture, this was very significant because the angels were believed to be the ones who gave the first tablets of the Mosaic law to Moses. That they handed that to Moses. That they allowed Moses to receive it to then write the Torah. And the Torah simply means the first five books of of the Bible. This is where all Jewish law comes from, the Torah. So you know if you are a Jew, you say, this is the foundation of our faith. So the angels are the greatest who gave it to the messenger to give it to us. So when we talk about the angels being compared to Jesus and this writer saying to these Jewish converts, look, Jesus is greater than the angels. 
how much more significant does it become that Jesus himself, who's placed higher than even the angels, took a station as low as he did to die for us. When you start stepping into the reality of the people who actually received this letter, you begin to see the significance of this very first chapter. And it's written so differently from the other letters that we've seen. The other letters, they have some introductory remarks, like to the Philippian church or to the people of Colossae. But this just gets right into the meat of it. Because evidently the persecution was so severe, people were beginning to leave and they were scared and fear was driving their lives. Chapter 2, verses 1 through, five, 1 through 4. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through the angels has always stood firm. And every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think that we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. As I read this this week... The verse that pressed heavy on my heart was, so we must listen very carefully to the truth that we have heard, or we may drift away from it. Today, I believe as people of God, we often find ourselves forgetting to listen to his voice. I think I see people prioritize things over his voice on a daily basis. Maybe you find yourself in that same light. Or maybe when you hear me talk about listening to the voice of God, you're not even really sure what that is or what that sounds like. Maybe when you think about... um, being persecuted, turning to God's voice isn't the first place that you turn. So how do we forget to listen to this voice? I think we do it in many ways. In fact, I ask this question of people, not, well, how do you forget to listen? But I would ask a person that is confronted with a challenge, and I'd say, well, what do you think the Lord is saying in this? And I'll tell you, I asked everyone from leaders in the church to people who have a very low experience with Jesus to people who don't believe in Jesus. Because I just asked the question, what are you hearing? Or how is the Lord leading you? And I'm often met with a look of confusion. Or a statement or response like, well, you know, I, I haven't thought about that. Or, I'm not sure I hear his voice. Or, how do you know if you know 
what his voice is. I think we don't listen to his voice because we don't always practice listening. We don't practice or give the time or invest the time to listen to his voice. It's ready and it's available, but we often step away and we listen to other voices. So what are those other voices? I think we choose to listen to, and get ready for this, because I'm in a country where I'm going to get crucified for this, all alone, this one statement. Ready? We would rather listen to announcers and referees than the voice of Jesus. How do I know this? So I had this conversation with Frank Hart. You know, Frank Hart is our church planner in Katy, who a couple years ago began with a group of people this new church, and it's called New Church. We are excited about what they did. They celebrated Good Friday with us here at Oikos, and we are partners with them. And I called in to check on him because I knew that Katie had been hit pretty severely with the flooding and, and how they were doing and how they were responding and did they need assistance. And how was he just doing, right, in his heart? Because it's hard to listen to one story after another after another of hurt and just take that in. And they were doing okay. He said, well, not only were we hit with the flood, but at that point we also had to move locations same week. And we're in our new location, and we had our first Sunday in our new location. And he goes, I don't know, you know, if, it's, if it was the after effects of Harvey or if it was new location, but our attendance has kind of dropped. And I said, well, there's one other factor. And the Texans happen to have a game at noon, and that seems to affect our attendance. It is what it is, right? Because we often choose to listen to the voice of referees and sports announcers and people cursing all around us because we feel like that might be more holy than worship. Now you're going to say, oh, man, you're such a downer. <laughs> Let me tell you, what can we do to practice hearing his voice? Well, one of the things that we do to practice is that we read his word daily. That's why we continue to encourage you to get on the reading plan. Get on something where you begin to hear his voice daily. Because I'll tell you, the more you read his word, the more his voice is easy to hear. You know it. So that when you get an invitation to a football game, your perspective changes. Because guess what? It's not just about you being here on Sunday morning. What your pastor wants from you is that if you get an invitation to go to the football game with someone who doesn't believe in Jesus, take it. I know it sounds strange. Take it. I will rejoice with you if you're not here. I will rejoice more with you if I know that you intentionally prayed before you went to the football game. Lord, help me hear your voice and may I speak your voice to my friend. But you know what normally happens? 
I don't have to tell you, do I? I don't. I'm not even going to tell you because you all know. What normally happens, I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) So practice reading his word so you can hear that voice. If you're going to do something that takes you out of his, his people, prepare yourself. Because you're going to represent him. You guys don't just represent because you come here. You represent because you're out there. And that's a good thing. But too often we turn off his voice as soon as we step out of here. Me too. And then the other Sundays when you're not invited, be consistent in the place where he says, come to my temple. Come to my home. Listen to my voice. Be encouraged. Be challenged. Be transformed so that you can represent me the other days of the week. And we, you can come to daily devotions. How many of you know that we have daily devotions? It's growing. So there's a lot of you that don't know that. So I'm going to tell you again. So make sure you're listening. We have daily devotions at Target at 8.15, and we dig into his word. We go through the entire book of the Bible almost once every two years, and we read it together, and we respond, and we listen, and we try to figure out what is the Lord saying. And guess what? Sometimes we're right, and sometimes we're wrong, but I don't care because we're practicing. We're practicing listening to his voice and saying, What is he? What has he placed in our hearts today? And you may say, well, unlike you, pastor, some of us have a job outside Sunday. (laughs) Well, we Zoom it. So if you take, if you have a break, if you have a 15-minute break, then say, I'm going to take a 15-minute break at 8.15 or at 8.30 or at 8.45. And I'm just going to jump in and listen for 15 minutes. That's awesome. We don't announce when you come at 8.45 on Zoom, oh, Matt just joined. Thanks for being late, Matt. (laughs) We rejoice that you joined in. If you're driving in and you go, I'm going to get a quick coffee before I go to work because I don't start till 9, pause, stop, listen. For 10 minutes. Take the challenge and see if the Lord blesses you. I think we choose to listen to people who say, invest in yourself. Make sure you have enough money for yourself and your children. You don't need to give it away. And oftentimes that's not other voices, that's our own, right? our own voice of worry. But we forget the words that Paul wrote to the Philippian church. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. So how do we practice this? If you haven't given... 
I won't make you raise your hands. If you haven't given, or if you know someone who hasn't given, give something. Make sure you write this down, because this is an, a challenge I gave a long time ago, but I'm get, going to give it again. Give something. You can give $10. You can give a dollar. You can even give a penny. You can give $1,000. You can give whatever you think you're willing to risk because it won't be a risk. And you're like, oh, he's going to tell us how. It's so nice to believe in Jesus. Then you don't have money problems. I'm not going to tell you that. It won't be a risk because if you come back to me in three months and say, I don't see any blessing in giving. And you've given. Sylvie is going to hit me over the head on this. Because she's going to have to keep record of this. But if you choose to give, you haven't given before and you go, okay. Actually, I don't care. If you've given before, you can take the same thing. Because the Lord says, test me on this. So test him. And if you start giving and you go, I gave a dollar and now it's up to $3, and guess what? It was not a blessing. I needed that $3. Then we'll give you th your $3 back to you. I, I promise. I will make sure that we set it aside so that we're not in financial problems, that we have to give it back. If you choose to give $100,000, it will be set aside. Yeah, you're going, well, who would give that? Well, Jesus did. He gave more than that. We sometimes put a limit on what he will bless us with because we think we know better than Jesus because we don't listen to his voice. But he says, I have incomparable riches, which is not just money, but it is a blessing for you. So take that challenge and practice. What does it look like to listen to Jesus in how we live and who we put our trust in? Sometimes we believe that some professional is wiser than Jesus. Where do we do this? A doctor? A medical professional, right? We have something that doesn't seem quite right. How many of us first go, Jesus, heal me? And how many of us go, oh shoot, I got to find a doctor? Well, I'll tell you, I'm one that often, I can be a hypochondriac. Don't put me on WebMD. Because I can go down the list and I'll find everything that possibly could be wrong with me. And then I'll go and find every... I may not go to the doctor because I actually think I'm smarter. So I will go to every natural remedy and go, okay, I've self-diagnosed. I'm taking this and now I'll be better. And I realize this is my confession to you. Why am I spending all that energy self-diagnosing without first stepping into the faith that I have and say, Jesus, heal me. I don't feel right here, or I don't feel right here. 
Jesus, heal me. Or am I listening to the voice of Jesus saying, maybe you should move. Not like move places, but like move your body. <laughs> maybe you should move. Maybe you should do some exercises. Am I listening to him? Or maybe you should eat right. Maybe you don't need to make every night a dessert night. Maybe I should pray and ask Jesus to enter in first and allow the doctors to help. So that's how we practice. Turn to prayer first. Prayer first. Not prayer after the doctor can't help you. And you go, well, shoot. I guess I'll turn to Jesus now. Right? But that can be our mode. But he's inviting you into something greater. Many of us may listen to our peers over the voice of Jesus. The kids went back to school this week. Yes, they did. <laughs> right? And I, I've made a commitment because one of the things I heard from the Lord is he wants me to spend some time at school with the kids. And I used to do this all the time with Zach and Breezy because I was over at Travis as a mentor and I did a lot of volunteering within the school that they were in. And when they were in preschool at Trinity Lutheran school, um, Preschool, I was over there all the time because I worked there. But I realized in the last couple of years, I've kind of gotten out of that habit. And though I have good intentions, it seems like the week goes by and I'm like, whoops, I didn't do it. I mean, do you ever have the thing like, whoops? Maybe you don't say whoops. Maybe that's just my own thing. I say whoops. I go, whoops, I didn't do it. So Lord, remind me again and I'll try to do it. So I made a commitment that this year I want to make sure that each kid gets lunch with me at least once a month. That's not a big commitment. But you got to be committed. So I started with Breezy and I went to Hog this week. And as I was sitting down, I was listening to her. And as she spoke about what her day was like, then I'd ask questions. And I tried to press in a little bit to go beyond, oh, it's fine, Dad, or it's good. And I asked the question, has anyone been making fun of you? Because, you know, it's middle school. Awful time. And she goes, well, no, well, kind of. She goes, so I was working with this friend that I went to school with, with at Travis, and then we were working together on the project, and then this other boy came up, and he goes, you should hook up with him. So me, I'm kind of like, well, who is this? Because <laughs> we're in the lunchroom. I'm like, point him out. She's like, no, Dad. She goes, so I told him that, well, that's not possible because my parents told me that I can't date until I'm at least 16, and I don't do that. And he goes, well, you can hook up with him. Just don't tell your parents. <laughs> and she said, 
No. And she continued to work on her project. Oh, I wish I had that faith. And solidness when I was seventh grade. I didn't have some of the temptations I see my kids facing because I was in a small town. I mean, it's a different temptation. I think everybody in my class was drunk by eighth grade. <laughs> but, I mean, well, it is. It's small town. I wasn't. I hadn't. And so I got persecuted on that. Called everything in the book because I wouldn't participate in what the culture around me was participating in. But I see a different temptation with my kids. So how do we practice listening, listening to the Lord and the blessings He has for us instead of the ones that we try to create ourselves? Well, perhaps you're in a relationship right now where you're having sex outside of marriage. So stop. And know that the Lord is saying, step into this where you honor one another until you make a commitment for me. The question is, what kind of relationship is it if Jesus isn't put first? What kind of relationship will this be if Jesus is always off to the side? Well, I'll tell you from God's word is it's not much of a relationship. Because relationships outside of him are not based on anything. We may think they are. We may have feelings. We may even have acts of love towards one another. But if Jesus isn't in it, we know that his word says it's worthless. So we must listen carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, Listen, I am standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. What door is he knocking on? in your life? What door is so closed and you have every security thing on that door hoping that he won't break through? The real challenge is whatever door that is, I'm asking you to unlock it and open it. Whatever fear you may have that Jesus is going to bring into that place where you have locked off and said, I'm not going to listen, invite him in so that you can eat and live life with him. Hebrews chapter 2, 9 through 18 says this, what do we what do we see what we do see is Jesus who is for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels and because he suffered death for us is now crowned with glory and honor yes by God's grace Jesus tasted death for everyone 
God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory, and it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call him his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. He also said, I will put my trust in him. That is, I and the children God has given me. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood. The Son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves in the fear of dying. We also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of people, take away your sins. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to, let's say this together, help us. So let's read that again. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to when we are being tested. Jesus is greater, and he calls us brothers and sisters. The one who is better and greater than angels. He says to Brenda, you're my sister. And not only are you my sister, but I'm asking that you come and be with me. I have done everything possible to make sure that my family can be together. I don't want to lose one of you. Now, this message to the Hebrews is critical because if you don't listen to the voice of God, if you dismiss it, the word that struck my heart was, soon you will walk away from it. And yet God says, I love you, and I want you to be a part of my family. I love you, and I want you to represent me. And for everyone who has not experienced that love, I want you to show that love to them. Because I'm with you, and I'm standing with you. Jesus is greater. Paul says to the Philippian church, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others, too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Loving one another. And working together in one mind and one purpose. May we be this church. And the only way we can be this church is if we practice listening to his voice. We know our voice in our own head does not help. I know my own, when I try to talk to myself and I don't include God's word in that conversation, it is not good. I can come up with a whole bunch of crazy things. I can come up with things that may appear good to other people, but I know it's not with Jesus. May we be a church that we listen to God's voice that we respond to him, that we don't worry about everything that we do, but we do think about our representation and what it looks like to be his family. And that we take that sacrifice that he gave for us and we live it out in our lives. What joy it is, right? What joy it is to be with Jesus. Not everyone understands that and that's okay. But I'm asking you today, do you hear his voice? Can you hear him knocking on your door? And do you respond? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us this time to look at just the first couple chapters of Hebrews. We know that the world may say, this is freaking ridiculous. That you look at some pages of a book that was written 2,000 years ago or even more. That it's a conspiracy, that it is worthless. But Lord, I thank you, and I know many thank you, that you have placed a testimony in our lives of how you have personally touched our hearts. That you have transformed us. That we have received that invitation to be in your family, and we are sitting at your table. And Lord, yes, we are not worth it, but you say we are. And we thank you for that. We thank you that you're a God who's willing to step in it with us. Whatever mess we get ourselves into, you still step in there and invite us home. We may dismiss you in every chance that we get, but Lord, you continue to invite us. We may rebel against you and you continue to stand with us. I thank you that though I am not completely transformed, I have the invitation to continue to walk alongside of you. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. This time we get to celebrate the Lord's Supper. He is inviting you to his table. If you're a baptized Christian and you believe that he's truly present in, with, and under, he invites you to participate. 
if you're not sure about this, if you don't believe in Jesus, then this probably isn't something that you want to do because what we believe is that Jesus is really present. And as you receive the bread and the wine, you're not just receiving bread and wine, but you're receiving Jesus. And that there's a transformation that happens. That not only is it confirmation that we are sinners in need of his grace, but it's also forgiveness in this simple meal that we cannot understand. That we receive the one who died for us. So if you believe in this, we invite you to participate. If you're unsure, just make sure if you come up for prayer to one of the stations to tell them, I'm not going to receive today. If you're thinking, I don't think I should receive today because I feel like I, I haven't really repented of what I've done, that's okay. Take the time. Repent. But I also want to encourage those of you who often say, I don't know if I've been forgiven. I want to assure you, you have been forgiven. With Jesus, there is no shame. He does not remember the thing that you did and hold that against you. He does not take what you've done and say, oh, you haven't done enough to receive forgiveness for this. No, he knocks on your door and he says, come. So if you've repented, you are forgiven. If you haven't repented, repent, take that time and receive the forgiveness that he offers at his table. On the night that he's betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup and after he gave thanks for it, he blessed it and he gave it to the disciples saying, drink of it all of you, this cup is the new covenant or promise of my blood which is shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. You're welcome to his table. You're welcome to be a part of his family.